everybody. Welcome to the Northern Logger Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Kessler. I'm also the editor of the Northern Logger and Timber Processor Magazine. This month on the podcast, I interview Donald Burr, the safety and training coordinator for the professional logging contractors of the Northeast. Burr is also the lead instructor and coordinator for the 20-week Mechanized Logging Operations and Forest Trucking Program courses held in the Central Maine region. On this episode, he talks about the most important things to keep in mind when staying safe and healthy while working in the woods. And so as a safety coordinator, I guess before I get into that, can you say a little bit about your background and how you got into this line of work? Quite a, quite a few years ago, I think it was sometime around 95, I was doing a job that I didn't like. And I had a neighbor that was looking for a fellow buncher operator. I had no experience, no idea what, entire, what, what, uh, um, what, what logging was. But he needed somebody, and he knew me and liked me and that kind of stuff, so he gave me a shot. And uh, so I started out running, running his fellow buncher, and then uh, uh, I, ran, I worked for him for 12 years, and then uh, he retired. And uh, I went from there to, uh, to another company, and I worked there for 10 years. And I, I, did, uh, I did mostly fellow bunching. I did some grappling, and I did some delimmer, just not a whole lot of it. Um, and I also, in the second company, I took a more of a lead role in the, in the uh, crew, and I did some safety stuff for them. I also did some uh, training with them and that kind of, and also we did a lot of stuff with, uh, we did a lot of stuff with the university and we, we uh, piloted a, a GPS program um, because uh, back when, when at this point in the game, GPS was just three letters and not everybody knew what that, what that meant. Um, so uh, we were, and we piloted a program uh, to track ourselves and to be able to uh, uh, add in different, different important information layers and stuff. So I was uh, fundamental in, in working on that uh, within that company, and that was that was Matt and Timberlands at the time. And then, then he uh, he was uh, very involved with the PLC, and uh, he really believed uh, that uh, we needed a training program. So. Uh, he, because of what I did for him and, and, and whatnot, he thought that I should go and participate in, and consult with the, with the group that was putting together the curriculum and what, it, what, what we thought it would look like and that kind of stuff. And, uh, he, uh, so he sent me to meetings purely as, purely as a guy that, you know, he, he said it best. He said, uh, we're, we're sitting around as a bunch of owners, um, who uh, think we know what we want. But uh, you're on the ground doing it and training my guys. You know, you go tell us what what we should what we should, what we haven't thought of. So, I participated in a few meetings, and then then when the uh, community college got involved, I participated in a few meetings there and we tried to hire this position. So, um, and then uh, um, they couldn't find we couldn't find anybody to fill the position, and uh, they they came to the PLC and said, we can't find anybody to run it. Um, you know, could, could possibly Don run it. And, uh, Scott didn't want to, Scott Madden, who I was working for at the time, didn't want me necessarily to go run it, but he said, maybe you should go run it and then, uh, we'll get it off the ground and then, then you can come back. And 
And at the time I had a very, you know, I had a very good job, a job that I liked and a job that, uh, you know, that, that gave me a ton of freedom and uh, something that really, you know, you know, I got to do all kinds of different stuff and head up a little different programs and, and whatnot. And like I said, we did that GPS thing, which was, which was really exciting to do because it was at the time it was cutting edge. Now it's now, now it's oh hum. But at the time it was, it was, we were the only ones doing it and, and the only ones producing the stuff that, that was really helping the, uh, the land managers out. In fact, uh, I ran into one of the foresters the other day. He said, he said, you know, before you started doing it, nobody was. And, uh, and what a difference that made. And that really formed what they, what they expect today from a, from a logging contractor. Yeah. So, so back in, back when, back when dinosaurs were roaming the earth, you know, we used to, we used to take a paper map that may, may or may or not look like the job you were actually doing. And you were, it was all guesswork. You know, we'd have a compass and we would uh, try to figure out how to put trails in and whatnot. But when GPS came where, where you could track everywhere you went, that was just huge for covering ground and knowing how much ground you had left and, and to be able to put the, the cut blocks on the GPS so you could see where you were and what kind of cut and you know where the brooks were and the riparian zones and all the stuff that, that really goes into running a, running a job site. That was just, I mean, I mean it, was, it was a whole new day. And, uh, and uh, uh, Scott and, and, and I and, and his company were, were way out in the front forefront of that. And it was, it was exciting. Cause, you again, were trailblazers. Yes, it was. And, and for that matter, and I give Scott all the credit, he always wanted to do something first. And he knew that we were going to do stuff that didn't make sense. And, uh, and that would, that wouldn't pay off, but he also knew that we would stumble on things that nobody else thought of. And that will, that make business sense. So, um, and GPS was, was one of those that, uh, that really, really pushed the ball forward, um, uh, in that way. And so anyways, that's, that was, that was then. And, and, uh, so he came, he came to me and said to, uh, he, he thought that I should go run the program and the community college thought I should run the program. The PLC thought I should run the program. And I said, you'd be nuts to leave. I can't leave this job. I got a good job, especially at the time it was a six month gig. And, uh, I said, I'd be, I'd be nuts to leave you. And, uh, he agreed and he didn't want me to leave. Um, but he's, he, we worked out a deal where I, where I took a leave of absence, um, so that I can leave and, and then come back like I never left. I get my pickup back. I get my, my, you know, my seniority back. I get my vacation time back. I get health insurance, you know, the whole, everything that I had with him that was important. So, um, so we worked out a deal and, and uh, um, I, I did the first year of MLOFT or MLOP at the time uh, and then came and then went back to work for him and, uh, uh, and not intending to run it again. Uh, but uh, that became apparent that I needed to, to run it again. And uh, that time Scott said, you know, I really can't do what we did last year. We did it. You know, we survived it. It just wasn't a, it wasn't a good thing. So uh, anyways, uh, he, and that's when the PLC came and said that they were looking for a part-time safety and training coordinator and wondered if they made it a full-time gig on the off time. So when I was working for them, I was the safety and coordinator, you know, full time in the winter time. And then I was the MLOP or MLOP guy in the, uh, in the summertime. The benefit of that really benefited MLOP because I could then work, uh, while during the winter, I, I, one of the other things they wanted me to do was to be part of the high school programs. 
and you know safety and training and just you know being a resource for them trying to you know help them out any way we could uh so and promote mlop at the same time so next thing you know now i'm now in the winter time even though i'm working for the plc as their training and safety and training guy i'm also going into high schools and talking with uh uh, logging programs mostly, but uh, uh, CDL programs and uh, welding programs and diesel heavy equipment programs and all the all the anything that would rec- even some of the recreation programs I, I go in and talk with. Um, so I try to I try to stay very active in in every high school program that I can. You know. So anytime I'm invited, I go. <laughs> That's an incredible story. So you just kind of or it chose you in some way. I fell into it backwards. There's no question about it. And, and, and I had no reason to, it wasn't a midlife crisis. I had a midlife opportunity to come and, and run this. And, and I know, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a huge, huge risk because I know, you know, even today, if, if things go south on everything, I can go run a fellow buncher for, uh, for, you know, anybody who needs one. So that's the skill. The skills are all there. Although every once in a while I run the MLOP, uh, uh, fellow buncher and I realized that some of my skills are perishable and, and yeah. some of them have perished. <laughs> but we can get them back. <laughs> Safeties is, is a pretty important important thing in this industry. Yes it is. And you've created a lot of training programs, you've been involved in training. Can you tell us more about the safety aspect of your job? You know when I'm working for the PLC or for that matter MLOP too, we, we certainly safety is everything. Um, we tried, uh, you know, I'm tasked with taking, you know, safety to the next level and, uh, and whether that's actually producing safety material like articles or, or videos or, or, um, or trainings. Um, and, and, and so I'm tasked with, with all that, you know, then the springtime we do the spring safety trainings where we travel across the street, the state and we, you know, bring six topics to a to a uh, uh, a logging contractor's garage, and uh, we you know spend the day rotating everybody through those six topics. Uh, it's kind of a round robin kind of thing. So we you know everybody gets forty five minutes to fifty minutes per per topic, and then all the students move and the and the trainers trainers stay there. So I'm tasked with you know uh, this. There's a safety committee meeting, which unfortunately I'm going to miss tomorrow, but. Um, there's a safety committee meeting that's get together and they come up with a list of topics. And then out of that topics, then they, then they send me out to go, okay, find the, find the six or eight ones that we think we can do for, for various reasons, or we think we can find an instructor for then, uh, then in January, I present the final list and who I think would be the instructors for that, uh, uh, for that, for that topic. And then, like I said, we, we travel, we do, uh, we do, do two different styles, one for the loggers, equipment operators, mechanics, and owners. And then we also do one for truck drivers, mechanics, and owners. And, you know, sometimes the owners and mechanics don't make both of them, but they make the, whichever one makes sense for them to go to. Um, and so ultimately, uh, uh, I guess we did 11 stops last year, three trucking and, uh, eight logging, um, uh, and I think the plan is to do the same this year. I think I, again that some of that will come out of tomorrow's meeting that I won't that I won't make it to. Um, so I'm I'm tasked with that, and I'm also tasked with uh, uh, again getting stuff regularly out there. And I try to do it entertainingly. Uh, I've done a uh, 
I try to, I make animation videos and, and the whole idea is I'm hoping that I make them, I make the, you know, the operator smile, you know, and, and hopefully evoking that motion emotion, they remember it. Right. Um, and, and to be honestly, some of it is not just getting them to uh, realize that slip trips and falls are bad. You know, okay. They, you know, if you gave a quiz right now to any of the, uh, loggers out there that have been in this business any length of time, they'll tell you some trips and falls are bad, and that and they, you know, they they can stave you up quickly and and for longer than you wish. Um, but really, the task is in safety. I'm 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 coming to really realize is how do you get them to to recognize the danger, and I and I liken it to you know you go outside in the winter time and we live in the Northeast, so we're dealing with snow and ice and all the time, and. You, uh, you go out and you look and you say, oh, that ground is really slippery. Look at all the ice out there. The chances of you having a bad fall is, is, is almost, almost non-existent because you're ready for it. You're, you're putting on your, your, uh, your grippers or you're walking like a duck or you're deciding not to go or you're taking a, taking a, a can of sand with you and you're sanding as you walk or, or you're mitigating it somehow. And, and really, knowledge is power there. But on the other hand, you go out and you don't recognize that it's slippery. That's when you have the bad fall because you don't, you know, so you're not, you know, if you're not looking, you know, safety really is looking for the danger and then recognizing it and making choices about it. But the choices usually come are easy because you recognize, yeah, that's really going to suck if I fall on this ice opposed to if you don't see the ice, you don't even, you know, don't even entertain that. That's a, that could be a problem. So, uh, so, so really my, my, my job is to, to, is to make them think about what is really dangerous. And, you know, we work again, we work in the Northeast, so ice and ice and slippery roads and, and driveways and yards and equipment and all that is just around us all the time. And we get, we get numb to it. We, we, we don't even pay attention to it because, you know, it's, 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 it's common. So that's the thing we've got to make what's commonly dangerous around us scream at the us to, to be careful and whether that, you know, and again, maybe grippers make a ton of sense. You know, if you're walking down a road, grippers make a ton of sense. If you're walking, even a woods road, but if you're walking on your equipment, sometimes grippers aren't the answer because they're just as slippery on the steel as it is if there was ice. So you have to go, okay, what's my, what's, what's my best chance here and what should I do to make sure that I don't fall or, 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 or whatever. Um, the other thing that I'm, that I'm constantly reminding people and thing is, you know, ask yourself, where's the energy? Because ultimately energy is what kills you or gets you hurt. Um, so what do you mean? A lot of time, what do you mean by where is the energy? So, uh, so think of it this way. Energy is, is all around us. And, and the biggest culprit <laughs> is gravity. <laughs> You know, and you don't necessarily think of energy as gravity, gravity is energy, but it, I assure you that it is, or at least I, uh, I make the case for it. Um, uh-huh. So you have a boom that's, uh, that's not sitting squarely on the ground for whatever reason. So when you release uh, the hydraulic pressure that's holding it there, suddenly now that boom, gravity is going to bring that boom to the ground. Um, and so that's the danger. Um, and so the, you know, no danger with it sitting while the hydraulics is holding it there, but if something changes, whether a hose blows, a packing goes, or, or somebody pulls a lever or, or somebody takes a hose off, well, suddenly there's the, that all that potential energy, which is just gravity be, 
becomes dangerous because that boom comes, you know, uh, slamming to the ground. There's a uh, there's a great YouTube video out there of uh, some third world country uh, of people working on an excavator with the boom up uh, boom up in the air, and they're clearly taking a hose off that they don't know what they're they don't know what they're doing, and when the hose comes off, you know, oil goes everywhere and the boom comes slamming to the ground. Um, and it's you know it's funny funny to watch. Nobody gets hurt, at least as far as you can tell in the video. The guy gets takes a hydraulic bath, but you know doesn't really you know can they get any hurt? You know, again, it's funny, but on the other hand, it also screams. You know, they didn't pay attention to where the energy is, and of course, there's there's energy. Gravity is the big one, but heat is another energy where you got to pay attention to you know what's hot, and um, you know you can't go to a logging garage and not talk to anybody that worked on any kind of equipment and not find a story of somebody taking off a radiator cap off a hot radiator, which you should never do because the energy in that radiator is going to blow that boiling hot liquid everywhere, including on you. And, you know, I've known two or three people that have done that and not recognize the danger. And, you know, and we could, and I could give you examples, examples, you know, another big one is tires. You know, we walk by them every day and uh, it's only when they explode, you go, man, there was a lot of energy in there. And that was, that was dangerous. Uh, you know, but again, you can't go through a logging contractor or any garage, any garage that deals with tires and you ask them and they're honest, they'll, 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 they'll tell you stories after story about tires blowing up. And, and a lot of times they laugh about it and except for the ones that actually the tire, when it blew up, it, it hurt somebody. You know, uh, a, a close friend of mine got blew underneath a truck when a tire blew up, and they, and unfortunately, he's never been the same uh, since that. And yeah, you know, you you walk by these tires every day. You know that you know, and and most people, most mechanic, you know, people that work in the industry know a truck tire's got a hundred pounds of pressure in it, dish. And uh, we never think to ourselves, what does that look like when it get when it escapes? So, um. You know, that, and again, so that, you know, it's easy to say, you know, put, you know, do what you need to do with a tire. You know, you need to take it off the truck. You need to put it in the cage. You need to have a, you know, a, I, I think it's a six foot uh, hose on it when you're inflating it and you need to stand to the side. You need to wear ear protection and eye protection. You know, you can, you say all, all those things are true. And I think I put in there, put it in a cage, you know, make sure it's in a cage while you're inflating it, yada, yada. And all of it's true. But the reality is they all know that what they don't take, what people don't take seriously is that there is real danger there. If you haven't seen it, the people mm-hmm. that, that have seen the real danger say, oh, yeah, I remember when so and so and this. No, you do it this way. Yes, it takes longer. Yes, it does. But it, but it doesn't take it doesn't take the time that it that it takes to, you know, you know, to recover from an injury. And even a, even a small injury. I mean, we've all, and I, I guess I can't speak for you, but, but most of us have had stitches one time or another. And, you know, you could have 10 stitches and that's relatively trivial in the stitching world, but that's still going to be a few weeks getting over that and getting fully functioned back to where that is. And depending on where that is, that can be very, very inconvenient. Um, and for, you know, 10 stitches, which is really usually a pretty minor wound, you know, a wound enough to need stitches, but not like something, you know, it's not a major surgery. Right. And, you know, two weeks out of work uh, is is a lot um, in the industry, yeah, it's, right? It's a, it's a big deal. And it's not like we have people that can uh, 
then they can step up and fill those gaps. Um, you know, suddenly now that now the whole crew is down production because this person is out and somebody has to fill it and they're not going to be as talented as they were. Chances are, or, or they're going to be, they could be just as talented, but now their job is being done, whatever, you know, whatever their job was. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a losing proposition. Um, one of the things that I did this year with the, uh, with the owners. So I, I, I do in the regular training, those, those trainings we do in the springtime, I also do a short little, you know, uh, sidebar thing with just the owners and the, and the foreman and, um, trying to, to convey, um, you know, how do we bring this down? How do we bring that down that it's, much cheaper if everybody works safe than it is if they don't. And it's much better on production. If everybody works safe, even if it takes longer, uh, it's still better than hurting somebody. And, and one of the things to do, and I, and I don't know, I don't know necessarily how successful I was, but uh, was I broke things down as far as loads go, because the average operator knows we have to get so many loads out of the woods a week. And that's just, you know, that job has to produce, you know, 10 loads, 20 loads, 100 loads, whatever, whatever it is, they have a number that they want to hit. You mean truck um, loads? Yeah, truck loads off, off, the, off the lot. You know, there's, a, there's, some, there's some goal, uh, and every job is a little mm-hmm. bit different. Every year is a little bit different. And, of course, you know, weather plays a big, big, big to that. But they have an idea. You know, we need to get X amount of loads in this time frame to, to be profitable. And, and uh, I, I, chal- I, I kind of tried to make the analogy that, you know, we looked at a uh, shoulder injury, which I, I honestly don't remember for sure what the numbers were, but I think a shoulder injury was $30,000, I think, as far as the insured workman's comp cost. And then there was also uninsured costs that go on top of that. And then I, and then I tried, to, tried to equate that to say, you know, tell me whatever money you think you make off, of, off a load of wood. Just pick a number, whether it's a, whether it's a load of uh, biomass or a load of, or a load of you know, stud wood or hardwood eye grade or whatever. Just pick, you know, give me, in, you know, in your own mind, don't tell me what it is, just, just in your own mind. And then equate that, you know, the profit that you actually make off that load. You know, how long does it take you to make that 30000 or plus back? And, you know, is it five loads? Is it 10 loads? Is it a hundred loads? Um, and, you know, if we can convey that to the operators and say, you know, this, this is going to cost us, you know, 50 loads of wood, this injury that doesn't look like it's that big a deal, but are we going to be able to produce 50 extra loads to pay for this to get us, you know, I, I, I had, you know, showed a picture of a, of a, of a golfing flag, you know, to bring us back to par you know, to actually work us back uh, to, to the point of before the injury. Possibly preventable injuries. Yeah, the, you, know, you, know, you know, just again, we're just talking generalities here, but if it, if it costs 50 loads, when are we going to make 50 loads back? Opposed to if we, did the, if we did the job without getting hurt, yes, it may have taken longer and maybe we would have had to make up one load or two loads, but nobody got hurt and we can make, we can make those, you know, long term, we can make those up. Um, but we can't make up long-term or, or it takes years to get back the, you know, the 50 loads or the, or the hundred loads or whatever it is. And then ultimately people are, you know, the, the, the company, you know, might have workers comp, well, they will have workers comp insurance, but they're ultimately they're paying that anyways, they're paying that in premiums. So it's not like 
you know, not like this nameless entity of the insurance company is going to pay for it and just walk away and go, yeah, I guess we had a loss, you know, we're just going to pay for it and walk away. No, they're going to, they're going to up the premiums so that the, ultimately the contractor pays it, pays it over time, you know, and, and again, to have to come up with those 50 loads that, you know, that, that week or that month or probably not even that year. But at some point that money gets taken out of the business and um, it's, 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 uh, more profitable and better if we don't get hurt. So let's so let's pay attention to where the energy is, so nobody gets hurt. You know, and you know you can we can talk we can talk you know to to we're blue in the face about lockout tag out and that's important. I'm not saying it's not important, but the ultimately the goal there is to communicate and to take make sure that you're mitigating the energy, whatever that energy is. It might be electrical energy. It might be, it might be, um, you know, gravity and it might be heat, uh, but there's energy here that we have to pay attention to. Right. Uh, those are really important considerations. So, you know, recognizing where the dangers are first and then asking, you know, where's the energy? Do you have any other tips for, or safety tips for loggers you think that are port- important to convey? I I think another one is to always be um, uh, looking for those things that have gotten people hurt and talking about them. Um, And again, one of the things that we do with the, in the PLC is we do, we tell this, we retell injury stories um, where, you know, so-and-so got hurt and this is what led up to it. And, and they didn't, they may have known, maybe they didn't know, or, you know, why, you know, how did this injury happen? And we try to, we try to look at why did it happen? What, what was ignored? Um, you know, did we not know the power? Did we not, did we not understand the energy or we put our hand or our face or whatever in place it should never have been. And now, and now here we are. So we, we retell injuries. And I think that's important. I think, I think we got to, uh, you know, put pride aside and say, Hey, I, I got hurt. And because, I made this mistake and uh, you know, and I, and I give credit to the people that have, you know, I'm, I'm always in the hunt for, for stories and I give credit to the people that, that actually answer them uh, who, who come to me and say, I got a story to tell. And it was the dumbest thing you're ever going to hear. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, and, and they're probably, and they're not right because I hear a lot of, I hear, you know, a lot of seemingly dumb things like after, when you're looking back, you're like, how did I do that? I mean, I know somebody who fell out of the back of a truck uh, recently. Luckily, they didn't really get hurt. But, you know, if you had asked them before, you know, is there a potential to fall out of the back of this truck? Oh, no, no, there's no potential here. And yet they did it. And, and they just need, you know, we just need to take that, take that pride out and say, you know, this stuff does happen. So pay attention. You know, gravity is not our friend. And uh, we need to, you know, uh, understand, you know, what we're doing. You know, the other thing, you know, that which isn't gravity necessarily is the soft tissue injuries that are that are creeping up on us all the time with equipment. Is that, you know, again, this repetitive motion that I'm doing is causing me a problem or going to cause me a problem. So how do I change this? Do I change it for today? Do I change it for, you know, every other day? Uh, how do I stretch this? How do I move my muscles? so that I don't have this problem. Uh, so going, so going like getting forward. a blister on your hand or? 
Well, blistering with the soft tissue, a lot of times, uh, you know, carpal tunnel or, or strains or, or, uh, you know, just using your muscle, your body wrong and wearing it out a certain way. And unfortunately, you know, running a piece of equipment, a lot of times there's a lot of repetitive stuff. And if you can, if you can stretch and if you can, you know, keep warm and keep, uh, make sure that you don't keep making the same, maybe you need to change that every, you know, couple hours or, or, or whatever, so that you're not doing the same thing over and over again. Um, you know, I, I've, I've even started as funny as this may sound, but I've started doing yoga poses during MLOP, um, you know, while I'm watching equipment work, you know, trying to stretch out my muscles and try to try to do things to, inc- in, uh, to increase my balance. As I know that I'm, you know, long-term, I'm, I'm not getting any younger and, you know, running through the woods is, you know, could be a problem. So I need to, you know, save what I have and maybe even gain some, especially in the balance and the, and the stretch and that kind of stuff. So yoga for loggers, maybe that could be a new class. <laughs> yeah, well, we do, we do talk about stretching, you know, and, and essentially that's what it is, what I'm doing. And, you know, I, you know, and I, you know, I did that terribly hard thing. I, I Googled yoga on YouTube and, uh, <laughs> you know, found 10,000 hits. And uh, I found one hit that uh, talked about yoga for equipment operators and truck drivers. And, uh, uh, you know, the poses weren't, weren't all that difficult and you do what you can. And, you know, everything, if you're doing, making purposeful decisions, things will, you know, be better. Mm. You know, you know it's, easy, it's easy to say eat, eat less. Yeah, we should. We shouldn't. And we shouldn't eat donuts. But, you know, if somebody walks in, if somebody walks in here with a donut, mm. I'm probably going to, you know, and offers me one, I'm probably going to eat it. Um, so I need to, I need to be able to, you know, mitigate and do the things that I can do to, to lose weight or keep my weight in check and keep my, you know, and work on balance, you know, sitting in a seat, even if you're an office worker, sitting in a seat 10 hours a day is not good. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I, I tell my students here what exactly what I did in the woods was I had a stretching routine, getting it out of my machine and back into my machine uh, so that I tried to stretch as many muscles as I could if I was getting out anyways. You know, uh, and if obviously if there was some emergency that I had to get out for, I wouldn't do it. But any time that I was just casually getting out or at the end of the day or lunchtime or whatever, I would I would do a set of stretches in and then do a stretch a set of stretches out. And then another, you know, I'd walk around the machine and try to stretch and then and then get back in. And and again, a set of stretches on my way in. And it it's easy to say, and I wasn't perfect at it by any stretch of imagination. In fact, I'm trying to get better at it, but, but I encourage my young students or any of my students, but my young ones who think, yeah, stretching is, is, uh, is funny. And, and why would you do that? But, you know, I said, oh, when you get my age, stretch, it'll be important. So start stretching now. Yeah. They have no idea. <laughs> they have no, no idea. And nor did I, nor did I, I mean, people certainly told me, watch out for your back, watch out for your legs, you know, stretch. And, uh, and I didn't, you know, I didn't see the potential problem coming. And now I'm in my fifties and, and the potential problems are all around me. Mm-hmm. Right. So preventative medicine, preventative care and taking care of your health and diet are all really relevant too. All relevant and knowledge is power. You know, right. you know, uh, one year in the PLC trainings, we did a thing on nutrition and they brought in, you know, this, there's this much sugar and they had a, you know, they had a soda can and there's in this particular soda, there's this much sugar, but look in this soda can, there's this much sugar. And you would look at the sugar amount and you'd say, well, I would never intentionally put that in my body. 
you know, I wouldn't just, I wouldn't just take a spoon. I wouldn't just take, you know, in, in some cases it was 10 or 12 or 20 spoonfuls, you know, I would take 20 spoonfuls of sugar unless it, unless it tastes like chocolate, of course, um, uh, you know, purposely, but yet when you're drinking the soda, you are, um, and, uh, you know, the benefits of, of water and staying away from a large amounts of caffeine, which, you know, is a, is a problem for all of us, let's be fair. Well, thanks a lot, Donald. It's been great talking to you, and I know you're on your lunch break now. I don't want to hog all your lunch break. Do you have anything, any last words to say to our audience? I think the big thing is to, uh, to pay attention. You know, I, I, I joke. And one of the, I was interviewed a couple of years ago, and they didn't get the joke. But I said, uh, you know, you're never too poor to pay attention. And, uh, you know, if you don't pay attention, it's going to cost you. Um, and, you know, we need to pay attention to where the energy is and what's out there, what's out there to get us. Uh, because there's a, there's a whole, there's a whole list, you know, it's like they're ganging up on us and logging is, is not, a, is, is not overly safe in the begin with. And we need to pay attention to the dangers that are around us. And there's, and there's plenty of them. I mean, we don't talk, we talk gravity, tires and heat, you know, radiator heat. Um, if you, you know, if we had another hour, I could, I could, we could fill them up with more. Well, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. And uh, I hope you have a great day and good luck with uh, wrapping up the MWOF program. Thanks for listening to the Northern Logger podcast. You can check out my companion article on Donald Burr's safety tips in the November 2023 issue of the Northern Logger and Timber Processor magazine. As always, you can subscribe to the magazine on our website, northernlogger.com. Please consider sharing this show with a friend or family member if you think they can get something out of it. Thanks for your continued support, stay safe, and until next time.